you have a copy of God's Word, our passage this morning is going to be found in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 15 and 16. Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. On October 31st, 1517, a German monk named Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses or 95 critiques about the Roman Catholic Church uh, on, on the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. The first of the 95 theses says, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And so in God's providence, the Gutenberg printing press was available and Luther's 95 theses were, were made available to all of Germany and then Europe. The call to reform and get back to the biblical gospel did not stop in Germany. It spread like a wildfire throughout Europe. There should be a desire to reform. Churches, institutions, and other things can be reformed on this side of heaven. And as we looked last week, we reform by the Word of God. The Reformation was getting back to the gospel. That Jesus Christ is sufficient to save sinners. The Reformation was getting back to biblical truth. No resurrection, no Reformation. If Christ was not raised from the dead, there would be no good news. But since Christ is raised from the grave, what news is of more importance And so the work of faithful men and women before, during, and after the Reformation, they had a desire to hold fast to biblical truth, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone, according to His Word alone. One of these faithful men was John Rogers. And as John Rogers was led to the stake to be burned. The sheriff asked John Rogers if he will revoke his opinions of the sacrament and affirm Roman Catholic doctrine that it literally became the body and blood of Christ. And according to Roman Catholic doctrine, Christ is being continually sacrificed in Mass. And so John Rogers responds, That which I have preached I will seal with my blood. The sheriff tells Rogers that he's a heretic. And Rogers swiftly responds by saying, that will be known on the day of judgment. The sheriff says that he will never pray for him. And according to Roman Catholicism, one can pray someone out of hell or purgatory. So this was another judgment from the sheriff on John Rogers. But Rogers responds with grace. And he says, but I will pray for you. And Rogers was sent to the stake. So beloved, this morning, we do not need popes. We do not need priests. We do not need indulgences. We need Christ. This desire to reform did not begin with Luther. To name two before him, we have Augustine and Athanasius in the early church. And their desire to keep the gospel central to the church. We also know that Reform did not end with Luther. 
These men and women were not about themselves. They were pointing to Jesus and his finished work. And so we can love and appreciate the work of Calvin, of Luther, Bunyan, and others. But we love Jesus Christ. We love our King. And the gospel of Christ is worth living for and it's worth dying for. And so if you are new to North Hills, or uh, this is your first Sunday visiting us, we usually take a book of the Bible and we go through verse by verse. But last week and this week, we have taken a break to look at uh, some themes in Scripture that sparked the Reformation, that we are saved again by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to God's Word alone, for God's glory alone. And so if you, have, if you have a copy of God's Word this morning, our passage is Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Let's read. God's Word says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Let's pray. Father, this morning, may you remind us that we are undeserving of your grace given to us in Christ. That we were rebels and in our sin, we, we rebelled against you. Yet, in Christ, you have shown us grace and mercy. And it's by faith, it's by faith that we behold him. So Father, this morning, our prayer that we do not cling to our works we don't cling to our merit Father, may we cling may we rest in christ and may the spirit help us today as we look at this passage lord may you stamp eternity on our hearts and minds so that we rejoice in truth and fight against error all for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this passage this morning, we have two points as we, as we look at this text before us. The first is, by faith. By faith we are saved, not by birth or family. So by faith we are saved, not by birth or family. The second is, by faith we are saved, not by works. By faith we are saved, not by works. So the first point, by faith we are saved, not by, fam- not by family or by birth. We are saved, not by our family, the law, or by our background. In verse 15, Paul continues with his rebuke of Peter from verses 11 to 14. The gospel had broken down the barrier of Jew and Gentile. So those in Christ are united in Christ. But Peter 
was eating with Gentiles, and then certain Jews became upset with him because the Gentiles were not circumcised. And in turn, many Jews followed Peter's example, even Barnabas, in not eating with the Gentiles. And this public sin of Peter deserved a public rebuke. And so Paul says he spoke to Cephas or Peter before everyone. And Paul rebukes Peter in verse 14 by saying, If you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so then verse 15, Paul continues this rebuke of Peter and shows that both Gentile and Jew are sinners. One would think that the Jews have the right to be justified by the way verse 15 begins by saying we ourselves are Jews by birth. Yet many of the Jews turned their back on the Messiah to be justified. They denied Jesus as the Christ. And so if one is not a Jew, then they are a Gentile. And Gentiles are regarded as foreigners and strangers. So Scripture here is showing that both are sinners. Both failed to be justified before God on their own accord. Everyone is equal in their unrighteousness before God. And both Jew and Gentile need to find righteousness to be justified in Christ. And we are unable, we are unable to be righteous on our own. One is not made right with God by birth, being born into a good family or a family that's a part of a church. One is not made right with God by doing the desires of their wicked heart. If we're trying to be made right with God on our own terms, we have no hope. We are depraved in our sins. Ephesians 2 says that we are dead in our sins. Dead men and women have no hope. We cannot work hard enough to be justified. And as verse 15 addresses, we cannot be redeemed because we are, not, we are in the right family or we do the right things. No one, no one will be able to stand before the Lord and be righteous on the basis of their family background, where they grew up what they had saved up in retirement, how much money they had given away, or how many seashells they collected. Those things will not make you righteous on the last day. Before the Lord, before the Lord, every single person is a sinner from birth. In Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 12, Scripture says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So if we were to stand before God claiming that we are righteous by our own works and that we have sought God 
and that we have sought after God by our own desires, we would stand condemned. We would stand condemned. And so the Apostle Paul, he has written this letter to the church in Galatia to remind them of the gospel and its implications. Paul rebukes the Galatian church in the beginning of this letter for turning quickly from the gospel of grace. He rebukes Peter in chapter 2 and he reminds readers of this letter that everyone, everyone is a sinner, whether they are a Jew or Gentile. And so this is personal in verse 15. Paul is, a, is addressing this as we. We are Jews by birth. And he and Peter have been having dialogue over Peter's sin. And he continues then this rebuke in verse 16. And he's rebuking a false gospel. He reminds Peter and reminds readers of the true gospel. We know that one is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's our second point for this morning, is that by faith, by faith, we are saved, not by works. By faith we are saved, not by works. It's through faith in Christ alone that we are redeemed. Not by works. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so, in verse 16, Paul begins by showing that someone, whether they are a Jew or Gentile, is not justified by works of the law. Being a Jew does not save. Being a Gentile does not save. So what makes someone What makes someone right with God? It is by faith in Jesus Christ that saves. What is the difference? What is the difference between work and faith? Work is laboring for an end result. Faith is placing your trust, your rest, your belief in someone or something for that end result. Laboring. For salvation does not save. Praying an eloquent prayer or putting your hand to the plow does not make one righteous. One placing their faith in King Jesus is how one is justified. One who has faith in Jesus desires to pray because we know that He is our mediator. He hears our prayers. And we can put our hands to the plow in faith, knowing that we do not make it rain. We do not make the crops grow. God does. And so our faith is placed in our sovereign triune God. We labor. We work because He is sovereign. But we do not labor. We do not work for salvation. There's a debate in this passage if it is just works of the law that cannot justify or it is uh, all work from sinners that cannot justify. But we know that rebels cannot produce any good to be justified before a holy king. So whether it is works of the law or works apart from the law, neither can justify or make one right with a holy God because of sin. Sinners will not do enough good 
they, will, they will not do no, enough good works to justify. Tom Schreiner on this passage says that works of the law refers to the deeds demanded by the whole law. And John Calvin argues that the works of the law refer to the whole law, not just ceremonial. And then another commentator argues that Jews in this passage are desiring to justify that one can be made right with God by works of the law so that they can reject Jesus. Think about this. Some Jews are desiring to argue that they can be made right with God by works or by works of the law so that they do not have to follow Jesus. This is how much some hate Jesus because of what he demands. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So if we cannot work for salvation, if we cannot labor and toil under the sun for it, then the only hope for humanity is an advocate. We need a kinsman redeemer. The law cannot justify. It, it shows our need, but it's not the remedy. Our good works are like filthy rags. Our works cannot justify us before a holy God. But Jesus Christ is necessary and He is sufficient. He cried from the cross, it is finished. So salvation has been accomplished by Jesus. And it is by faith only in Christ alone that makes one justified. It is Christ alone. And Christ is enough. The end of Galatians uh, chapter 1 verse 3 to verse 4 says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the, from the present evil age according to the will of of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Later on in Galatians, Paul writes in chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Again, everyone is cursed. We are ruined by our sin. We do not meet God's requirements by our own works. But it is Christ, 
Christ who died as a curse. He took our curse upon Himself so that those who come to Him in faith are justified. Now what does justification mean? Justification means to be made right with. So one is justified before God simply by placing their faith in the Lord Jesus, in His work on our behalf. So our faith is placed, it is laid on the person and work of Christ, believing that Christ has saved us from our sin and that He is Lord over our lives. One does not have to be of a certain ethnicity or background as Paul is reminding Peter to be justified before God. It is by faith alone. And Paul uses this word justify here three times. Uses it three times in verse 16. It's used a total of eight times in the book of Galatians. But here, he uses it first as a person is not justified by works. And then he then follows by a positive view by saying in order to be justified by faith in Christ. And then the last time he uses it, he uses this phrase, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But justification, justification results in fellowship. We who have been changed by the power of the gospel, no believer should be refused fellowship. Justification results in one being made right with God and also being united to other believers in Christ. Justification is a legal term or phrase. When we stand, we stand in the sovereign's courtroom. We have sinned. We've sinned against our triune God. We know we deserve death. We deserve the penalty due to our sin. We are guilty. Yet, if we have come to Christ in faith, He does not give us over to our judgment that we justly deserve. No, He stands as our advocate. Those in Christ The guilty verdict is gone. Christ has justified us. We are made right before God because of what He has accomplished on our behalf. That He lived in our place and He died on the cross for our sin so that those who come to Him in faith are not declared guilty. But those in Christ are not just forgiven of their sin. No, in Christ... We are declared righteous. The righteousness of our sinless King is imputed and given to His people. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, for our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Him! In Him, our sins are not counted against us. Ephesians 2, verse 8, says that it is by grace. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. 
This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Love faith. Faith is a gift of God. It is God that justifies. We are saved by faith alone and we boast in Him. If one has been made right with God by faith alone, then one would not go to eternal hell or or face any judgment after death. If one has been made right with God by faith alone, there would be no reason to pay money to someone to try to be right with Him. There is heaven. There is hell. If one has trusted in Christ by faith alone, they will be with Him forever in heaven. If one does not trust in Christ for salvation by faith, they will be in eternal judgment. It will be in hell facing God's wrath for eternity. Those in hell hate God. They despise Him. There's not this place between heaven and hell in which one can have their sins removed or expunged by work. Either Christ is sufficient to pay our ransom for our sin, or He is not. Before Martin Luther wrote the 95 Theses, there was a man named Johann Tetzel. He traveled around Germany advocating and selling the Pope's indulgences. It was taught that if a person would buy an indulgence, that they would not go to hell or face purgatory. And throughout Europe, you had men and women buying these indulgences, getting affirmation and assurance from the Pope that they would not face judgment. And these indulgences were sold to build things like St. Peter's Basilica. What we see on display in the indulgences is some of the perverted teaching of the Roman Catholic Church that the Pope and others had the very words of the living God. They denied the word of God and they came up with intentions to pay off their buildings. They were teaching that salvation could be paid for or earned. And they would often pray upon the poor and the needy in doing so. Tetzel would travel around the German countryside saying, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Martin Luther, over time, received word from this. And he wrote, Christians are to be taught that papal indulgences are useful only if they do not put their trust in them, but very harmful if they lose their fear of God because of them. So one cannot be made right with God by money. One cannot be made right with God by earthly status. One can, be, one can only be made right with God by faith in Christ alone. And by the way, the Roman Catholic Church has not given up on this heresy of still selling indulgences. One can still buy indulgences today. But our assurance is not in Rome. Our assurance is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's also taught that in their mass, Christ is repeatedly sacrificed by the priest. It's by the blessing of the priest that the elements of bread and wine literally become the body and blood of Christ. One of the women that was heavily influential in the Reformation was Queen de Albright of Navarre. She said, I would rather lose my whole country than commit myself to idolatry and go to Mass. Again, one is not made right with God by their family, by indulgences, or Mass. One is justified before God by faith in Christ. Doug Moo says that justification, one's legal standing before God, is fully secured by faith in Christ. Nothing should be added. Nothing can be added. Nothing must be added. So justification by faith and justification by works is polar opposite. Because one is not justified by works, but faith alone in Christ alone. This is grace. This is grace. We are getting Christ in which we did not deserve Him. If we work for salvation and could earn it, it would not be grace. But we were all rebels brought to the King's table by His grace. And since it is all by God's grace, we exist. We exist for God's glory and His glory alone. Beloved, these doctrines of grace lead to joy. How heavy were the shackles of sin on us, yet they are removed by Christ. Redeemed people testify of the goodness of our God. We give thanks for we have tasted and seen that He is good. We rejoice in what He has done. Whatever is good from me did not come from me. And if we worked for our salvation, God would not get the glory. He would not be gracious. There would be no need of faith. Christ would not have had to die on the cross. Yet, we know we cannot work hard enough for salvation. So we are joyfully redeemed in Christ, existing to bring God glory in everything we do. If we remember that we were once far off, but now, but now have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, how can we not sing? How can we not share? How can we not testify? How can we we not be joyful? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we will not suffer. I'm not saying that we will not be depressed. But even in our sufferings, we see Christ as precious and it results in our joy. This frees us up as Christians. Not to live for the expectations of the world, but for our King. What brings sweeter joy than that? Now more than ever, the world can look at believers and ask, why are you joyful? 
Why are you joyful? And we respond, let me tell you about my king. Beloved, the one who creates and sustains, the one who predestines, calls, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies will get the glory. And everyone will give an account to the true sovereign, popes, presidents, whoever. Everyone will give an account to the king. So who are you resting in? Where do you stand? Is your joy in Jesus? Fox's Book of Martyrs recounts the life of John Bradford like this. John Bradford was led to the stake to be burned on July the 1st, 1555. He was bound to the stake with a young prisoner. Bradford spoke these words as the flames were lit around them. Brother, be of good comfort, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night, where all our pains will end in peace and our warfare in songs of joy. Saints of the Lord Jesus, we only get one life, and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, you have created the world and everything in it. You have fashioned man in your image, and yet men and women have rebelled against you. But what tender mercies are shown to us in Christ that He lived as our substitute. He took our sin upon the cross and rose again from the grave. It's in Him, by faith, that we are justified. We are made right with You because of what Christ has done. The chasm is no more. And we can approach the throne with confidence because of Jesus. And as we live in this world, Father, continue to stir our hearts and our affections to love You more and more. May You draw people to Yourself. May people behold Christ as Lord and Savior. And may we never take the Gospel for granted. It's Christ's name we pray. Amen.